grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and Christ, our wisdom. Amen. Um, a couple of years ago, I was at the Parliament of the World's Religions in, in Salt Lake City, and I was actually um, scheduled to uh, lead a workshop at the Parliament on the Monday of the week that we were there. Sunday evening, I suddenly discovered that my workshop had been deleted from the Parliament app on the schedule. I panicked. I ran down to the makeshift office that the Parliament had there in the the Salt Palace Convention Center, but it was Sunday evening. Nobody was there. So I hunted down one of the volunteers who was still around, and he offered to help. He was a very personable young man. I um, discovered that he was a Hindu and that he was a local college student. And he put in a call for somebody to call him back to try to help me. So in the meantime, all we could do was wait for the call back. So, of course, we talked. And that's when I found out a little more about him. And he had decided to volunteer at the parliament because he was taking a world's religions course in college. And he could do this as part of that course. So he asked about my workshop, what it was about, and I told him that it was actually about intra-faith dialogue, that is, conversation among Christians about the implications of interfaith encounters on our own beliefs or questions that we have about our own beliefs. And he was intrigued. So he said, since you're a Christian, can I ask you a question? Uh-oh, here it comes, I thought. And sure enough, he said, how do you explain the Trinity? Like, uh, no, of course. Now, it is not uncommon for the Trinity to come up in interfaith settings. Another time, in another gathering, I happened to sit next to a Muslim uh, young man at a dinner. And he also wanted me to explain, somewhere in between the salad course and the entree, how this three-in-one-ness of God is not complete heresy. And actually, the questions don't come only from outside the Christian tradition. When I talk about my understanding of God as the Holy One and of all of creation as part of this one, I don't know how many times I've been asked, well, why don't you just become a Unitarian? Or how can you still believe in that Trinity stuff? Well, today's the day when we're supposed to talk about the Trinity. Now, actually, any talk of a Trinity today might be more about, although I don't know, we're all very disappointed about the end of the basketball season, right, about our beloved Golden State Warriors. But actually, when we talk about a Holy Trinity, we might be talking more about a Curry, Thompson, Durant Trinity than about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But actually, these three basketball superstars might give us a new and better way to look at this dusty old church doctrine. Well, not just these three players. Probably most of us are familiar with the term being in the zone. You know, you know that, that term. If you play any sports, maybe you have felt that state of consciousness where you're totally focused, where you feel like there's nothing else 
around you. Nothing else exists but you and your performance, and you're playing at your absolute best. It's more than just concentration. It's almost a spiritual experience. And it's not just for athletes, right? Back in 1990, a professor of psychology published a best-selling book called Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. That's Flow, F-L-O-W. I just thought we don't want you to think it's like the sitcom from back when, Flow. Um, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. And the book identified flow as a highly focused mental state in which you are completely involved in an activity for its own sake. Your ego falls away. Time flies. Every action, movement, every thought follows inevitably from the previous one. It's like playing jazz. You are just in that zone. Your whole being is involved and you're using your skills to the utmost. A reviewer wrote about the book, you've heard about how a musician loses herself in her music, how a painter becomes one with the process of painting. In work, sport, conversation, or hobby, you experience the suspension of time, the freedom of complete absorption in an activity. This is flow, an experience that is at once demanding and rewarding, one of the most enjoyable experiences and valuable experiences a person can have. I would imagine that the musicians among us have experienced that. Uh, Maybe even listening to a great piece of music can cause that. Or any of you who are artists may have experienced this. But did you catch the spiritual reference that was in there? A painter becomes one with the process of painting. A musician becomes one with the painting or with the music. But how could that kind of oneness possibly have anything to do with the Trinity? Well, mention the Trinity to most people, especially people outside the church, and their eyes will begin to glaze over. But today I'm not going to talk about Trinity in the usual way. Usually we have the, you know, the water, the ice, and the steam examples of the three elements, or we have a triangle. But today, I'm not going to talk about that because for t- I think for too long we've been held hostage by Western Christianity's definition of God that, that really is based on Greek philosophy. Now, the early church fathers who decided all of this, they were asking the same questions that we all ask today. Who or what is God? And how do Jesus and how do the Holy Spirit fit together? And how do they fit in with one another? Now, without going into a lot of detail, they, they explained this by using Aristotle's philosophy to explain how there could be just one God, even with these other characters in play. That's where you get language from in the creed of being of one substance with the Father. Totally uh, Aristotle logical thinking that led into countless explanations of how three could really be one, which led then to other religions like Islam not buying our ice, water, steam um, displays to call us polytheists. It also led many Christians to leave the church because they just could no longer believe, as Alice said to the Mad Hatter, six impossible things before breakfast. 
but not all early Christians went in that direction. There are other ways of understanding that have been around from the beginning. For instance, the Cappadocian fathers of the 4th century in Turkey came to this conclusion. Whatever is going on in God is a flow, a radical relatedness, a perfect communion between three, a circle dance of love. And God is not just a dancer. God is the dance itself. Now, I happen to think that that's really beautiful, a beautiful way of describing Trinity. It doesn't make rational sense, God is a dance, but doesn't it just, the poetry takes you into a different way of, of, of experiencing it? And here's a description um, of some of the ancient Greek fathers. They depict the Trinity as a round dance, an event that has, has continued for 6,000 years and six times 6,000 and beyond the time when humans first knew time. An infinite current of love streams without ceasing, to and fro, to and fro, to and fro, gliding from the Father to the Son and back to the Father in one timeless happening. This circular current of Trinitarian love continues night and day. The orderly and rhythmic process of subatomic particles spinning round and round at immense speed echoes its dynamism. These metaphors of circle and dance and currents of love might seem strange to our Western ears, but I believe that our emerging awareness of Eastern Christianity and other Eastern religions, too, is leading us into a better spirituality than maybe we've had before, at least thought about before. Millennia before the publication of Flow, Practitioners of Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism were following disciplines to overcome the duality of self and object. And we're just catching up. Father Richard Rohr, who some of you might, might be familiar with, very popular spiritual writer, wrote a book called The Divine Dance, which is a, a very lovely book. And it's all over this idea of flow. And he says, this God is the very one whom we have named Trinity, the flow who flows through everything without exception and who has done so since the beginning. Thus, everything is holy for those who have learned to see. The implications of this spiritual paradigm shift, this Trinitarian revolution, as he calls it, are staggering. Every bit of ambition for humanity, for the earth, for wholeness and holiness is the eternally flowing life of the Trinitarian God. Now, you might be thinking, well, we're still trying to force God into a three-part box. Why hang on to Trinity at all? Why not just become Unitarians? But, you know, Unitarianism came about actually as a rejection of the Aristotelian definition of Trinity. And if we don't go in that direction, then we don't need to become Unitarians. In a stunning work called The Holy Trinity and the Law of Three, Cynthia Bourgeau bursts open our attempts at defining God, at the same time reclaiming Trinity for what she calls a new spiritual age. She suggests that the principle of three is actually the operating principle of the universe and that it's present in many religions. 
as soon as I read that, I thought, there was even a Star Trek episode about that. Does anybody read Star Trek The Next Generation fan? Jean-Luc Picard? God, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, to put it briefly, the story was about they were caught in a time, the Enterprise was caught in a time loop, as they so often were wont to do, and they couldn't figure out how to get out of it. And the way they did it was to implant a clue into Commander Data, the um, android, into his brain. And the clue was the number three. So all everything that was happening kept coming up threes when they were playing poker all the cars were th- cards were three and then it was three of a kind and they did a diagnostic on the ship and all the results came out three 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 couldn't figure out what's with the three until they went through this time loop and in order to expl- to um, get out of the loop they had to figure out what mistake they had been making that kept causing the ship to blow up well, it turned out that the decision to um, do, do one thing had been wrong. And Data figured out the right thing to do because he saw the three command pips on Lieutenant Riker's uniform and realized that they were supposed to use his way of going that they had never done before. It was the three that showed them the way. And they did. Got out of the time loop. The law of three. Now, that's just a TV show, right? But if Cynthia Bourgeau suggests the principle of three is actually the operating principle of the universe, then I think it's a fine example. But we go beyond science fiction, right? Going beyond science fiction, Bourgeau believes that the law of three has the effect of undercutting all of our dualistic thinking that so often gets us into trouble. Light and dark, heaven and earth, human and divine, male and female, all kinds of dualities that hold us back from being fully human. So let's take a a very current example. Again, from Richard Rohr. And this is very timely. This was written a little while ago, but I think it's very timely. Our politics have devolved into divisiveness and partnership. Sound familiar? You feel, partial, you feel passionate about your party and your issues. Your coworker or your neighbor or your relative backs the other political party with equal passion. And everything stops right there. Somebody takes position A and somebody else opposes with position B. And then they exist in rivalry and antagonism world without end. And like being in a time loop, we're stuck. And this is precisely what we would expect to happen in a binary world, in a system of binary, a place of two-ness in opposition. At best, when we're finished yelling at each other, we might try to compromise and form some kind of synthesis position out of our dueling dualisms. But here's the law of three. If threeness captures the essence of the cosmos more than two-ness, it means that we can hold our position, you can have your position with complete integrity while still awaiting a third, maybe unexpected, force to arise and surprise you with, a, with another way. So each one and two can hold their own positions, and yet in the creativity of the divine dance, of the law of three, there is the possibility for a new creation 
to come about. This would be a wonderful thing to happen in our world. The first and second positions don't find themselves invalidated in the face of something newer and shinier. Instead, this third force gives everybody a valuable role to play in the creation of something genuinely new, the possibility that becomes the place for our collective creativity to come out and play. This energy is not any precise definition of the three persons of the Trinity as much as it is a relationship among the three persons of the Trinity. This is where the power of creative renewal is at work. In the loving relationship among them, the infinite love among them in the dance itself. In other words, it's an entirely relational universe. And when we try to stop this flow moving through us, with us, and in us, that's when we fall into the state of sin, which is truly a state of being much more than particular behaviors. So what we want to do is to get with the flow, which is all about openness, creativity, growth, transformation, connectedness with the divine and with all that is. Sounds good, right? Well, how do we go about getting into this flow? Well, it's like the answer to the old joke of how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Stephen Curry doesn't get in the zone without picking up the ball and shooting over and over and over again. The artist, the musician, put hard work into their craft before they experience this kind of transcendence. And it's the same with our spiritual lives. Although, and this is very important, you are already in the flow. You're already part of the divine dance, whether you know it or not. You don't have to earn your place. But the more awake and alert you are to the divine presence, the more that you will feel in the zone. So what practice? If you don't already have a spiritual practice, maybe this is your spiritual practice, or maybe you have another one. Meditation, um, all kinds of things that people do. Uh, Reading, music, ways to open your heart and your mind and to set your intention on being connected or feeling the connection with the divine presence. Um, I find Sufi heart meditation to be useful to me. But sometimes it's hard to keep up that practice. It's great when I'm with my group, but when I'm home by myself, I find that it takes some discipline. It takes some intention, and it takes some discipline to remind myself to practice. That's why they call it a practice. I need to continually set my intention and then follow through. So whatever you choose or whatever you are already practicing, um, breath prayer, simply finding quiet time, listening to meditative music, I mean, a lot of these things don't come easily or naturally to us as a regular practice. But remember, as we go about our spiritual practice of connecting to flow, it's not just about head knowledge. It's not just about rational knowledge. Reading about flow can be really helpful. But ultimately, it's all about experiencing. 
this exploration of a new way of understanding Trinity isn't just some esoteric theological wordplay. It has implications for us today as we ourselves search for ways of understanding who and what God is. And times are changing, right? Times are changing. The church is changing. How we define God or how we don't define God might be more like it. All of this is changing. But personally, I like the idea of a divine circle dance much more than I like the idea of the triangle or the water, steam, and and ice. I like the divine circle dance of creativity. As Richard Rohr says, clearly our triune God is a riot of expression, transcending and including any possible labels. Now, I don't think, I don't know you all, but I'm suspecting that we're probably not going to be getting up and doing any dancing today. Or maybe you will feel like dancing. It is Father's Day. Um, it's also Juneteenth today, so maybe, maybe you will feel like kicking up your heels. In any event, in any event, what our, what our call today is to open up our hearts to the law of three, to get into the zone and to go with the flow and to come and join, whether physically or metaphorically, the dance of Trinity. Amen.